Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Out for Justice, Steven Seagal's burning thriller about etc etc um uh, uh we will be spoiling it but you know fucking yeah, anyway spoiler warning <laughs> peace i hate the word This is Mish. I'm from Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where each week we have a chat about something John Leguizamo has been in, and we enjoy it sometimes. Uh, this one we really enjoyed, and I'm so excited to chat about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said earlier, when I fucked up my intro at the start, my name is Mish. You might know me from in 1991. I lived in America. I lived in California. Wow. I didn't know you lived. I did. Yeah, I wow. moved to California for a year and a half. My dad had got a job there. Uh, anyway, I'm joined as always by my friend with the thick hair and the Doc Martens, Zachary Wayne, yes. who you might know from. Uh, in 1991, I lived in uh, the Latrobe Valley, uh, then uh, a very a powerhouse, quite literally, a powerhouse of, of, of industry and electricity um, for, for the state of Victoria. Less so now. Sick. Uh, when we decided to do Out for Justice as a start, one of one of the many films that we're looking into uh, to study John Leguizamo and his time in the 90s, uh, we looked at Out for Justice. We saw Steven Seagal. We could think of no one else to invite onto the pod except Steven Seagal's number one fan, <laughs> Dave Warnicky. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. What a dangerous title to be given. <laughs> Steven <laughs> Seagal's number one, one fan. Number one fan. Number one fan and defender. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, the man has never done anything wrong. (laughs) I mean, that is not true. I like his movies. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, we did do Executive Decision. Feel free to have a listen back. One of my favourite episodes. We did that with Dave. Great film. One of my favourite films we've watched. Like a really great discovery. Genuinely a great film, I think. Like genuinely a fantastic film. Absolutely Executive Decision. Executive Decision. Not Uh, this (laughs) Not yeah. so much out for justice. I just need to be very clear. Which film I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, but let's be, let's be clear. Any movie with Steven Seagal in it has a vibe. Oh, yeah. That's so enjoyable. Anyway. Okay, no, no, no. I agree with a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> You're making a lot of uh, like, quite like statements here. I just want to be clear. There's going to be opinions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But all we can say is that upon... Recording the executive decision episode, we enjoyed it so much with you, Dave, because you got so into the vibe. I feel like you're on board with the vibe that Zach and I are talking about. Love the vibe. Mm. Yeah. It's a great vibe. You get it. Yeah. So we've had you back to chat about Out for Justice. Thank you so much. And I am Out for Justice. I want to give this film some justice. Mm. Mm. Did you want to discuss anything before we launch into it? Normally we do like a good 
10 to 40 minutes of intro, but I want to use Is there up. anything on your mind at the moment, Dave? Anything, you you like, anything at all? Before, because anything I want to get all. into out I mean, justice, since I justice. finished watching this movie at uh, about 12.45am last night, mm-hmm. it's all I've thought about. Yeah, mm. that's fair. So there's nothing on so There's nothing mind. else on your mind? I mean... You want to get, get ahead? You got anything to promote? I have an issue with something that I wouldn't mind just actually bringing up really yeah, quick. Yeah, okay. Just Is so it? I can get it off. Yes. Yeah. I hate refrigerated sandwiches. I had one this morning from 7-Eleven. Okay. Um, this is just something that's on my mind. And I, I rarely get f- like sandwiches that have been kept in a fridge mm-hmm. because fridged bread I think is foul. Yeah. And I don't like everything inside a sandwich being the same temperature. Hey, I've never really thought about this um, for like all the obvious reasons. There's other things to think about. Yeah. But a sandwich at its core is uh, things that are stored in different ways. A hundred percent. Bread is stored in the pantry. Okay, I've never had this Cold either. cuts, yeah. uh, but you're absolutely right. A that, sandwich that should a, not be all the same temperature. It's not a soup. Do you know what I find where, where it always comes undone? You're saying the, the, the cold bread? I think it's the icy lettuce. The let, Whatever they're doing with the lettuce, a lettuce sandwich... Mm. Really comes undone. Lettuce is a hard one because if you toast lettuce as well, Ugh. disgusting. You have banged on what? about that for as long as I've known you. Yeah. But, but speaking of toasting, you say sandwiches shouldn't be all the same temperature. But what about a toasted sandwich? If it's all the same heat, yeah. I'm on board. Mm. Yes, there's a certain point in which it drops below yeah, a heat yeah, where it right. shouldn't. Because then when a toasted sandwich becomes room temperature, disgusting. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Some, some, I feel like there's sometimes the cheese. That was melted starts to thicken again. I like that. Do taste. you know when a when a when you a, enjoy that texture? I think you should leave a toasted a toasted sandwich. I think can sit for a moment because otherwise it's too. It's runny. its own entity. Yeah, it can't be molten. I think you know the quality of a cafe, um, and to its negative, if they are asking, do you want that fresh or toasted? Because do you want that fresh or toasted? Nine times out of ten is like, if it's got coleslaw in it, then no. Yes. If it's cheesy. Then yes, like a toasty mm. and a sandwich are two different things. And if there's like this uh, blanket option of which, what, what really is? Do you want that stale or do you want the lettuce? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or do you want it hot? Do you want, do yeah. you want warm lettuce or do you want stale bread? <laughs> that's, that's the choice <laughs> you're being given. But do you ever feel they ask you, do you want it, do you want that toasted? And you say no, they kind of give you an oh okay. Good, yeah. Good luck with that because then. they know it's been sitting yeah, in that fridge for five hours. And it needs to be kind. Yeah, (laughs) and it needs to be toasted because the bread is rock hard. I got something with a coleslaw in it, like it was a a schnitzel coleslaw sandwich situation, Mm -hmm. and they were like, "Do you want that toasted?" And I was like, "That's warm mayonnaise. No, that's fucking disgusting. Warm cabbage. Warm. What am I like? An eighty-year-old lady with cabbage and bacon (laughs) next to her? I'm actually. I'm going to take it one step further. I mean, I mean this." And I say this up thirty three years of living. That's thirty. Mm. That's about thirty two years of sandwiches, right? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. I do not enjoy pre made sandwiches. Like if you go to a place and you see the sandwiches and you go, "I'll take that well, sandwich." Of exactly, I think what yeah. you described. It, it has to be refrigerated, doesn't it? Well, no. I think what you need a sandwich at its best, everything's at a different level. The salads need to be chilled. Mm. The cold cuts need to be chill. 
if it's like a chicken or often that's at its best if it's warm mm-hmm. and the bread needs to be a pantry room temperature. Absolutely. A sandwich at its best has varying temperatures in it. This yeah. is sandwich toasty is a different thing. So this is why I got a 7-Eleven sandwich. Yeah, I know. I got a 7-Eleven sandwich. I got the plant-based chicken sandwich mm. from 7-Eleven. Oh, well, that's – yeah, that's going to be real. No, but I've had other sandwiches. I've had other sandwiches. Oh, no, 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 I'm just saying. Oh, like, in your life. In I'm my not life. saying plant based, like, like, you know, mm. it's great, but I'm saying a plant based chicken sandwich from 7 Eleven. Yes. There's yeah. so many things there that they're going to fuck up. Yeah, 100%. But I've just, I'm, I had the discovery this morning of, ev- like, for the God knows how long I've been buying refrigerated sandwiches as a quick snack on the road when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. I've never enjoyed one, and mark my words, I was about to say I'll never get another one again, but sometimes convenience well, gotta, is key. Yeah, That's right. You've got to do that. Um, I just wanted to bring it up with our listeners and with you, Dave. I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad I heard it. Did, My yeah. biggest pet peeve, and in a way I respect it, yeah. when you see a packaged sandwich is when they pack it to the front so it looks like it's going to be juicy and, mm. and full all the way through. Like They've got yeah. little slices of avocado mm. on display, but then you open it up and they're the only bits of avocado. Yeah, they don't go all the way back. That's fucked. That's yeah. fucked. But I kind of, yeah, the gamble. The gambit do you know what there, I'm, I'm really on respect. right now is the icy lettuce. I'm, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely like the, the, know what the, you're talking about. The lettuce structurally breaks down and it becomes like uh, like a... It, it if blue. lettuce melts in your mouth, <laughs> then that's a problem. Either from warm or from icicles. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan. The, the, like the, it's chilled too much. Mm. They chill it too much, and then the. This is less of a Seven Eleven. This is I'm talking more the kind of place that serves Mrs. Max pies. Mm-hmm. You got Mrs. Max pies on in one thing and nippies, next to it, nippies, choc- yeah, chocolate. Yeah, and then next yeah. to it, That's I'm a talking dream combo that right kind there. of servo. You got a Mrs. Max pie, and then next to it, you've got like a sandwich, yeah. and and like it's like the label was done on a typewriter. Yeah, yeah. It's like a white on. cardboard box, and someone's basically written on the side, chicken and filling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that sort of sandwich, like I feel like they they do something to the lettuce in that process that literally turns it into little diamonds of ice. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't – it's not – it's no longer crunchy. It cracks. Like it's like it, 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 if taken, your lettuce cracks, you've taken it too far. The lettuce, any ingredient, any part of that that defines it as lettuce is merely the casing for the ice crystals that were once the moisture of the lettuce. Yes, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. So, I like, you back. I'm. I realize that we all want to talk about out for justice. I just really, th- I want to thank you both for letting me. That discuss that point. because it's something that I've never openly discussed, but I have felt that way ever since I could afford a four dollar refrigerated <laughs> sandwich. So You save up your, your pocket money. Finally, yeah. you're able to get one. I just realised the only ones that are ever enjoyable is an egg salad, as long as there's no lettuce. Do you know what it is? It's, 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 uh, I think sometimes what we do as a society... <laughs> <laughs> what we do as a society is we go, I like a good example. It's chicken schnitzel, whether that be plant-based or chicken-based. A chicken schnitzel sandwich with lettuce and mayonnaise on, on white bread. I, that's something I like. And then we, then then they go, make me that so I can put it in a fridge at 7-Eleven. Make me that so it lasts a week. And then someone back engineers that and it's no longer the thing that you like. Mm. It's no longer the leftover chicken schnitzel, the fresh lettuce and the white bread from the pantry. It's now become this beast of a thing. Mm. And it's like an egg salad sandwich, it's like you've got to start with the fridge. Yeah. 
You don't start with the thing. You don't start with the chicken schnitzel sandwich. You start with the, this is a refrigerated sandwich. What's going to work? Yes. And if, and if you can't make a chicken schnitzel sandwich work in that fridge, don't make it. Yep. Science has gone too far. It's gone too far. It's about intention. Mm-hmm. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, out for justice. <laughs> um, I wrote this intro. Uh, when was the one? Is it in the future? When was the big intro I did? Because we, we're, we're doing a few at the moment. We're kind of... Uh, no, it's in the future. It's in the future. So, the, in the future, um, I do a, an intro that Mish is like, oh, great job. Because we, we've, we've recorded a few February ones. So we could take a little Christmas break. Love that. Right. So in the future, I'm going to do one where Mish goes, oh, great job. That's the best intro you've ever done. Um, Because it's the first intro I've done in a few months that isn't just copied from Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a proud day. So when that happens in maybe February, uh, you're going to go, that's odd. Because for the last couple of months, his intros have been sprawling (laughs) messes. Why is she suddenly applauding uh, an example of that? Well, it's because we're recording out of order. Mm. Um, and, and, and I just want to say I wrote this intro while I was watching the film mm-hmm. and then finished it and then said, well, I'll, I'll make sure to edit that before I sit down with these two fine people. And I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's long. Yeah. Should I edit as I go? Or no, not at all. It? Just fucking go for it. Opening I mean, in the spirit of the film, I feel like that. <laughs> yeah. just, just, just should we cut? Hey, us, hey, yeah. In the spirit of the film, yeah. I'll cut all. Anyway. Zach, do what Steven Seagal would do. Yeah. Okay, Steven Seagal, Steven Seagal, Steven Seagal, <laughs> <Yeah>. Steven Seagal, <laughs> Steven Seagal. Okay, so <laughs> that's my Steven Seagal. Edit. Yeah. Okay, opening with a quote from Arthur Miller. Out for justice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was the weirdest oh. fucking thing How many ever. 90s action movies open with a quote from Arthur Miller? That was... Oh. And I will say it, it, it says Arthur Miller, a playwright. Anyway. <clears throat> Opening with a quote from Arthur Miller. Out for justice tells a story about the thin blue line that separates the police from organised crime in a particularly rough neighbourhood in Brooklyn. A line so thin that it is nearly indistinguishable, particularly when the police grow up on the same streets as the criminals they're meant to be bringing to justice. Lol, JK. It's about Steven Seagal kicking ass. <laughs> when Seagal cold... When Seagal... <laughs> When Seagal's partner is cold-bloodedly assassinated in front of his wife and child by a drug-addicted psychopath, Seagal, who, may I note, is wearing a sleeveless V-neck vest and beret when he discovers his friend's body, goes on a bloody rampage to bring justice to the baddie. I forgot to mention, the baddies are all mobsters and Steven Seagal's character is named Gino Fellino. (laughs) 
And he does a little Italian-American accent that I can only describe as ill-advised, a bad choice and a big stretch for an actor whose very presence on screen reciting lines is already a stretch of his abilities. (laughs) The one saving grace in this film is the villain, a truly unhinged performance from William Forsyth. While he doesn't feature all that much, he really is quite interesting. He doesn't look or act like any villain I've seen in a film like this. His spree of violence isn't about power or glory, but an unhinged desire for destruction. Apparently, Seagal agreed on the power of his performance as he's demanded as many of his scenes get cut as possible so as to not overpower him. Is that true? I did research. This is how fucked this movie was. I've got more. I'm so sorry. This is is great. I love this. Johnny Legs in a very early role is pretty much a featured extra. He does some stuff in a montage, then gets shot. Alpha Justice is like if that weird guy from school that you were always worried would burn something down or, like, bring a bomb to school somehow, got enough money to make his own version of a Scorsese (laughs) film, but never got the memo that his protagonists aren't good guys. Also, it unironically has an old detective say, I'm getting too old for this shit. And a New Yorker say, I'm walking here. And a man who gets kicked in the balls say, my balls. (laughs) (laughs) What a line. This movie sucked and I quit. (laughs) I would say... That we at this point, I don't even know, we're probably around 80-something episodes, right? This is by far, like, firstly, I enjoyed watching this thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I did. This is the most, this is the shittest film we've done. Oh, yeah. That doesn't, not taking away from how entertaining it was. We've done shit films that were not entertaining. We've done mediocre yeah, films. This, I enjoyed this. But this movie was so fucking cooked. Like, oh, I just, that intro was beautiful. You summed it up perfectly. How did you, th- what did you think of it? It was so bad, it was the best. Yeah. It really was true. Had you seen it? That. I'd never seen it. I hadn't heard of it. And when you said it's a Steven Seagal film, I assumed that it was going to be like one of his director DVD ones. But this mm. is peak Seagal years. Oh, this mm. movie. This was a cinematic release. Yeah. It grossed a lot at the box office. It was Did number it really? one. Was it was it? number one at the box office. It was, yes, it was, it was that which the, box office? Yeah, Steven Seagal's home cinema. <laughs> hey babe, babe, watch this movie. <laughs> it's number one in my box office. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's amazing that it was number one. Well, I, all his films weird. were. They, there was some sort of stat I read it somewhere that all of the films in the nineties that he starred in, that he was the the main person. Gro- was number when, one at the box time? office. Like it mustn't have been. It must have been a time thing. Like I'm talking literally, which mm. week of the year did it come out? Because surely this wasn't up against a, like a Batman. You know what yeah, I mean? Do you know? Rocketeer. Fun fact. Funny that you mentioned Batman. Steven Seagal was considered for the 1989 Batman. You what? are yeah. kidding me? No, I'm not even joking. He was in the ring. How was he there? Like he? How was he famous? He's I don't understand. It is uh, truly amazing, isn't it? Because he's, 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 he's not that fit. He's and he's not. never been that fit. No. It's not like, oh, you know, 20 years ago, it's like an old, like, even though they still look great, like a Dolph Lundgren or something. Yeah. Mm. He's never looked that great. No. He literally looks like, like me when I'm in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> no, but truthfully, like, he's not... And I, I realise it's all relative, but he's not wildly attractive. He's not wildly talented. 
and he's not wildly fit. So if you're putting him in the ring with the Stallones and the Van Dams and the stuff like that, he ain't up there. But nor, his films did I, just as well. Nor is he charismatic. No. Nor is he a good fighter. No. And, as a, and <laughs> nothing going based for based him. on rumor, obviously I don't know the guy, but not that great to work with. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, and that brings us into a quick Johnny Legs fun fact. Um, I'm, we probably mentioned it in the Executive Decision episode. But Johnny Legs did this film obviously before Executive Decision. He was a featured extra. He was just a drug dealer in an alleyway. But um, in Executive Decision, famously, he laughed at Steven Seagal and Steven Seagal punched him in the head. <laughs> so they had a fight. And since then, Johnny Legs has come out in multiple interviews laughing at Steven Seagal saying he was like the worst bloke ever. He sounds like the worst dude. Yeah. He but, literally truly But it gives, gives me so much hope that I could be I could be an action star because he his first film, he was 36 years old. What is his yeah. story? I need I to know more about... I tried to look into it because it blew my mind. I was like, hang on, because this is his fourth movie. So he uh, in 1988, he's above the law. Then 1992 films, Hard to Kill, mm-hmm. Marked for Death, which apparently was a massive hit. Yeah. Then 91, Out for Justice. Do you yeah. want to know a fun fact? They, all, they were all number one at the box office. Do you want to know a fun fact about this film is I think it was originally going to be called like... It had a different name, something about like, you know, something about... Um, like kind of a beautiful Italian-y sounding name, like about, you know, the, the cycles. And, and the studio was like, no, it, ha- it must be three, um, it must be three words um, uh, like describing, uh, uh, describing an action because of all these other movies. Because the other movies it were like that. Because what are the other ones called? So we've got Above the Law. Above the Law. Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. And Marked for Death. Marked oh for Death. Oh, my God. Out for Justice. They were like, it has to be, it has to be like that. that. It has to be three words and it has to a be cigar like a cigar title. And amazingly, the next film... Uh, probably his greatest movie, Under Siege. I can't believe they didn't yeah. Under the Siege. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, but I guess it's. I guess they were like, listen. They probably sat down <laughs> and were like, listen. It's not three words, but it is still describing something. <laughs> and also, it's like you've seen, you've seen Seagal proactively do an action. Mm. What happens when an action is done <laughs> to you? <laughs> Have you, have you guys seen Under Siege? No, I I've not. Uh, there's also So that's uh, basically they're on a boat. And then Under Siege 2, they're on a train. And he plays Casey Ryback, who is a commando who has since retired and become a cook. Oh. He's a cook on this train. And he's got to do – it seems like a bit of ad-libbing. There's one line. You've got to look it up on YouTube. It's so great. He's like, yeah, so this is how I uh, bake a cake. And then he sw- like whisks something and then puts it in the microwave for four minutes. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and then there's, like, an explosion. And he's like, oh, better go kick some ass. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he also put a lot – he was executive producer on this. I think he puts a lot of money into his own films. Amazing. Which makes me go – like, to me, you know that – who is the guy from The Room? Yeah, he, it genuinely – What's his name? Yes, Tom, he's an action Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. He, he has genuine Tommy Wiseau. 100%, but for some reason – doesn't seem like back then didn't seem to cop as much shit as Tommy Wiseau did. Can, can now I, we can all laugh at Steven Seagal, but back in 1991, people thought he was great. It's surreal because I. It's I, so this weird. This film is co-written by the same guy who wrote Roadhouse, right? And Roadhouse, Love Roadhouse. Roadhouse is a beautiful example of this genre, which is just like. Why does this man know karate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Steven Seagal, it's like there's two things. His character always has a ponytail and he yeah. always does like that style of martial art. Yeah. No matter what the 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 character's backstory is. There's no context. They're a cop. They're a commando. They're just a dad. They yeah. somehow know this. Yeah. 
It's the best. It's such a surreal thing. And he just, he's just, he's such a, there's just this odd thing with his characters where it literally is like his fantasy made real. Like I can't express to you how much it's like. Oh, to me, I got to a certain point in this movie, about two thirds of the way through where I was like, this entire movie, the whole movie can be summed up in saying that it's a whole bunch of people saying to Steven Seagal, you're not that great. And him being like, I will prove to you that I am and beating the shit out of him. Do you know what I'm saying? That is literally the, what the movie the is. The weird kid from school. Yeah. Like, oh. like the, the, he's got that energy of so, just yeah. like, will you wait and see? Yeah. yeah. The film goes for 90 minutes. It is 80 minutes of Steven Seagal's character just being an asshole. Yeah. Such a bad dude. Yeah, it's, and I, just prove, just literally being like, I'm stronger than you. That is literally the film. It, it, I'm not. There's this element of like, you know, that people talk a lot about. Scorsese as well gets a lot of flack from from people where it's like, you know, n- not all of his audience understand that his characters are meant to be antiheroes. Not not everyone. Like the amount of people that watch Wolf of Wall Street and think it's like cool, um, and it's like. Oh, I don't know if that's Scorsese's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, but, but he gets a lot of flack from it and there's something really surreal because this has like a mean streets, kind of it has an early Scorsese kind of story. You know, the, the, it, it's got that kind of – everything I said is true. It's about a cop and, and the very blurred lines. Between, but it's literally like, like just that weird – like just a weird cunt who has watched those movies and he's like, I'm going to make one of them. And then like he's told and it's like, oh, you did like, you didn't get the point. It's like literally like the Mm. departed or infernal. It's like, it's like someone imagine if the departed Mm. was made by someone who just thinks that like, that just thinks Leo like is cool. <laughs> but not Leo DiCaprio. It's, it's the it's the good guys. It's like cops are good guys. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, like you said earlier, Steven Seagal is not like he is not Van Damme fit. Like he is not he's not a big muscular dude. And it's very clear that this movie was cast around Steven Seagal. So everyone who's in this film, other than Steven Seagal, is about five foot six. <laughs> And skinny to make him look or, or like yeah. less fit. No one's yeah. as fit as him. Exactly. Which is so funny. It's so wrong. funny because he's not that fit. There's a point there's a part in like he goes to a pub or like a bar that's full of these Italian like mob types. Yeah. Except randomly one guy who jumps out wearing a kimono. <gasps> It was so strange. So he just starts randomly, literally the scene is these guys being like, you're not that tough. And then this cop goes around and just proceeds to beat the shit out of everyone at this bar to prove his strength. And then randomly a guy jumps out in a kimono with fighting sticks. Oh, that scene was amazing. (laughs) And and just... Clap, 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 as they hit the sticks, like the pull cues on each other, like making this sort of rhythmic... Like kabuki sort of scene. <laughs> it, was so, it was so strange. It was a surreal beauty to the yeah. scene. No, <laughs> it was like kabuki. It it just it just had this like stra- It's like yeah, because like Roadhouse 
the Roadhouse is actually quite a like it's it's, yeah. it's it's you know people put it in the so bad it's good ghetto but it's actually like a great film that is what it is you yeah. know this film is like so fucking cool it's trying oh, to be yeah. it's trying to be cool it's, it's trying just, to be good it's surreal it's so it's the thing I particularly love is like going back to this thing is like there's almost two issues around like police and media that I've heard a lot about and not that but like one is that you know by showing like the corruption and the complexity like it 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 normalizes something that's real and then also there's this thing of like good cops and showing cops as good people without the complexity of the structures is like propaganda you know those are the two things you hear never have i seen a film that does both so like he's the good guy and the reason he's the good guy is he'll kill people with a <laughs> fucking ball <laughs> Sure, in 1992, yeah. we knew. I can point to movies from before this and say he's not the well, good also, guy. It's that we've had it with other films as well that we've watched in this kind of thriller action genre. Mm. But cops aren't allowed to do that stuff. Like, just because you're a cop, that doesn't give you free reign to beat the shit out of anyone who suggests well, that you're issue, not tough. I think the issue, Mish, is that often they are allowed to do that stuff, but they're not the good – those ones aren't the good guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're not our heroes. Yeah, but this guy is just like, yeah. <laughs> you meant to be like, I like – Yeah, that's right. Smack, smash that man's skull in with a pool, pool ball inside a bag. I don't think that man deserves that. Yeah. Like he's, this, is a, just a, this is just a man trying to run his dive bar what? between – the powers of the mob and the and the corrupt police, oh, and now you're man. Oh my that god! <laughs> so there's a guy. He's the brother of the bad guy that's killed a cop that Steven Seagal wants to kill, and he just owns this bar. He doesn't seem that bad at all. Steven Seagal comes in, kicks his ass, smashes his bar up, like breaks his nose. Then the mob come in and say, "Where's your brother?" Then they kick his ass, like break his nose even more. Then his brother comes in and says, "What have you been saying?" Punches it. The poor guy. Just, everyone just kicks the shit out of him, and he's. Nothing. He did nothing wrong. Right. One of my favourite things about this film is there are three scenes, three separate scenes, where Steven Seagal just goes into the room and starts throwing shit <laughs> around the room. So he goes into the bar and just randomly starts smashing glasses, picking up like fucking money, throwing it across, just trashing the place. He then goes into an office and just with Gina Gershwin and just randomly starts throwing files around the room, knocking chairs over like... He's a cop. What are who, you doing? Can I, this is a genuine question. Who is this movie for? Like <laughs> Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. You know what I'm saying? Like Steven Seagal types, I suppose. 16-year-old boys that dream of being. Uh, although I think there's the man version of that as well. There's the man that's like, yeah, I would do that <laughs> if I could. <laughs> Fuck him up, Steven. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just they're like they're like they'll. they'll ha- it's sort of something to play mm. while they're thinking about how they're gonna um, build a bar in their shit. <laughs> Can I say one of the the funniest part of this film for me? Oh God, there were so many funny bits. This part made me laugh and rewind and rewatch. So they're trying to find the guy who killed this guy who also killed this woman. And all of a sudden there are all these Polaroid photos that are scattered around the place. And he finds a Polaroid photo and he shows it to Gina Gershwin and he's like, do you know who these people are? And it's a Polaroid photo of two people having sex, but they're in posed like doggy position and they're both looking at the camera smiling. (laughs) 
Who's taking that photo? It looks like a weird R-rated stock photo that would be inside a frame if you bought when you buy a frame and there's already like a fake photo in there. Except some weird R-rated one. It is the funniest photo I've ever seen. (laughs) It is not someone spying on two people. It is someone there with a Polaroid camera that's like, smile for the camera. (laughs) Say cheese. (laughs) It's so funny. It's such a bizarre movie. And the plot... Also, I, I heard there were two edits that happened, and this is this is one I don't often do research on on the films because I kind of like a blind react. But this one I had to read about, and the two pieces of research that I that I the, the thing I really love is there were two edits that happened on this film. One was the studio was like it has to be under an hour and a half, like they were just like it has to be short. Even though, so so they got a guy in and and he turned like full plot points into montages. There's like mm. there's a few montages, isn't there? And they're yeah. weird because the, in these montages, people are like talking to each other. They're not like storytelling through visual. Mm. There's just like montages like da 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 with footage of people just talking, but you yeah. don't see what they're it's saying. Like, it's like, yeah. like the weird dreams, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. What's and going on here? like John Johnny Legs is in one of those yeah. montages where. He's clearly talking to the man, and then, but we don't know any context. So that was one of the edits, which is hilarious because it's like it means that the, the plot becomes kind of un, very challenging to understand. Yes. The other edit is the Seagal edit, where he was worried that the villain would overpower him, so they cut as many scenes as possible. Yes. And it's tr- there's like I the, the villain just sort of pops up for as as minimal amount of time as possible. It makes so much sense now that you've told me that because I I thought that when watching the film I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's motivation? Who is he? Why? Is-? And now it makes perfect sense. It's a girl's like he's not allowed to be in it anymore because the actual. <laughs> <laughs> but do, you, do you think that he is honest enough with the editor and saying he's too good? Get rid of him or just just that's what he's thinking and he goes. Oh, no, he's no good. Get, do you know what I mean? I think he is went he, into the editing room, threw everything in the room <laughs> around the room, trashed yeah. the room, By all punched accounts. the editor in the face. <laughs> By all accounts, he would have been like, he's, yeah, he yeah. would have just, I think he would have done the first one, but in a way that I think he would have been like, he's he's deliberately trying to overpower. Oh, okay. like, he's, yeah, delibera- right. he's deliberately doing too yeah. good of a performance. Because yeah. <laughs> I think he was legitimately interested. Like, he's an interesting yeah. character. I thought he was an interesting choice. And I thought much like the rest of the people in this film, they were there to simply, like, make Steven Seagal look big and tough and strong. I thought that was the choice with the villain, but I actually think that it was probably to Steven Seagal's detriment because that guy literally looked insane and he was far more interesting than whatever Steven Seagal was doing. There was something doing. about yeah. usually villains, like, I think a lot that happens now is villains are just, like, mirrors of the, mm. you know, they're mirrors of the, and the protagonist. So there's this idea of, like... You, like, you know, uh, Infernal Affairs, I was just talking about it. The, the Departed is a really good example of that where it's like, um, you know, they're just mirror images right, and of they're each like, other. You and I ain't so different. Yeah. yeah. And that's what this movie is sort of saying in a way. It's sort of saying like, you know, one guy, they grew up together. Oh, everyone knows each other from like, yeah. basically went to school. One together. became a cop, one became a, and then like. That's sort of what it's going for, but then in this really interesting, possibly for the wrong reasons, I actually give it credit for, it's like this guy, it's almost like 
there's, I'm sorry, I'm digging too deep. I'm giving this film too much credit. It's almost like this guy is a bad guy, not because he's the mirror image of Seagal, not because, but because he's breaking the order of things. It's like mm. this is a world where you can be a policeman or you can be a criminal, but we all kind of make it work. And this guy's lost his oh, mind. I don't think that you're incorrect. I don't think you're going into this too much. I don't think a movie has ever been. So complex yet so simple. <laughs> the issue is, I think <laughs> this movie is overworked and underworked all at the same time. I think what happened is, and I, I didn't like. I think there was an interesting, a really interesting movie here, like genuinely a, a legitimately interesting film that Steven Seagal yeah. just. Fucking <laughs> shadow. So there's a good idea. There was a good script, and then they cast Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then the writers like, what? Oh, I've been working on this for five not only, years, and not only did they cast him, but they let him put some money into it, which means he got some choice and he got oh, to make no. some make some rules. Yeah, and just like every step, of, I reckon the writer would have been like, ah, you know, I didn't see, I saw, I, I saw Pacino or I saw De Niro, but. Maybe Seagal could work, but just so long as we, and then just step by step by step. Yeah. No, he could be good. Yeah, he's in Above the Law. Yeah, I saw there's, that. He's got something, you know. And I think there's often like with a third movie, it's a bit like, um, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know. Like maybe Seagal people saw something in him, mm. and then this was the movie where they're like. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! It's like, uh, do you remember Keanu Reeves in um, in the when he did the Shakespeare? When he did the, have you seen Keanu Reeves? Oh yeah, in Much Ado About Nothing. Much Ado yeah. About Nothing, where everyone was like, Keanu Reeves, there's something to this guy. Yeah, there's something to this guy, and they're like, he's got a depth that we don't understand. There's something here, and then he did Much Ado About Nothing. He did Shakespeare, where he played like a jealous villain. And they're like, not that. Um, <laughs> Uh, definitely not that. Maybe, and then he did speed. Yeah. And they should, oh, oh, that. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. An element maybe with Sagala, like maybe he's he's got an intensity. And then this was the movie where it was like, oh, oh no. Can we talk about the accent? Yes, we oh. need to talk about his. He, so he's not Italian. Let's make that very clear. He is of Russian descent, I right. believe. And right. I wish that I was Italian so I could more. Uh, hear how badly because he, he speaks a lot of Italian. Yeah, they break into it's oh, a bit yeah. of English. Then it's, when he's talking to like the mob bosses and things like that, you really imagine a Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And imagine I, it, like, like it's, it's just one sentence at one, then the other. And I'm just thinking, if I knew this better, I would know how bad this was. <laughs> truly, his how bad this accent was. is what I love. Right, what I really, really love about his accent, and this is a hard thing to kind of explain. It's not that the accent is all that bad. It's that. It's all he's thinking about. <laughs> to the fact, it's like he's just not in the scene. Oh, that's so funny. He can't. Rem- I gar- he can't remember his lines. <laughs> oh my god. He's just the accent. He kind of pulls off, but everything else is gone. <laughs> And oh, this, that's this, so funny. This, it's like, and then it's like, this is where I go, the editor, after he bashed him up to cu- just stop giving a shit because there's no effort to cut into it. So there's just these, like, mid-length take scenes where where someone will say something and then you'll see him kind of work up to his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I struggle to put this in the so bad it's good category because I found his performance so insufferable to watch. Oh, it was... It was so it was painful. I will also say as well that quite boring in 
in points. Yeah. Really genuinely quite boring and just a lot of conversations <laughs> about, like I said, I'm tough. I don't think you are. Yeah, I am. That, that conversation, there, but for about 20 minutes. There was one bit of dialogue that I had to rewind three times and then I, I just decided, oh, that just doesn't make any sense. He met up with a guy and he said, I actually tried to take some screenshots of it. I wonder it because I was just like, what does this mean? And then the scene cool. was just suddenly over. He just goes, you know, this thing, it's like this to me is personal. You see? That's all. And then he just walked away. And what I, was the line? He, he said, said it again? That's you phenomenal. know, this thing, it's like this to me is personal. You see? That's all. And then he walked away. That is the perfect encapsulation of... Um, so on a set, you know, people... I, I, on a set, there's a... I can't, I, uh, it's maybe called the script supervisor. There's a person and their whole job is continuity and they literally sit at a little TV and they have the script in front of them and they're just like whatever hand you pick something up with, um, whatever cigarette, you know, if you pick up a cigarette, they're marking which hand you do it with. So if you're an actor, you can just say to them, hey, which hand did I pick this up with in a previous take so that you have continuity? Mm. Yep. Their job is more for them, the editor, for them to be like, hey, this happened, so the editor knows, right? They also are looking at the script. So they're kind of, in a way, like the, t- the film equivalent of a prompt. They're the person you mm-hmm. can go, what was my line just before we shoot the next take? I have never felt more sorry for a particular <laughs> crew member <laughs> because that line was probably... Say it for me one more time and one I'll tell time, you what I think it was written. You know, this thing, it's like this to me is personal, you see... That's all. I reckon the line was something like, you have to understand, unlike all the other times I've come to this house, this, this is personal. That's what I think the line was. <laughs> but he spent the whole morning going, you know, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know what, what's the, and he's like. Uh, uh, um, and he la- got into Mary. it by just repeating his name, Gino Fellino. Gino Fellino. <laughs> uh, Gino Fellino. And then he got to set and he realised he hadn't learnt the line. Oh, no. And I reckon there would have been like, they would have done the take and the person, the, they would have come up with the script and they would have been like, hey, just so you know, the line is, and he would have been like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been no a lot of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, I got it. <laughs> like, the, literally just like, like does not know yeah. the law. He's just riffing. It's bad. And I reckon people were just like, that's good enough. <laughs> and there were a couple of bits where he had to do like monologues about like his childhood. They oh, were, they were painful. <laughs> incredible. And you know who that child was? It was me. Yeah. Literally, like, you know when you don't, you know when you've done, like, like you, you don't, haven't, I feel like we've all been to ad auditions or we've all done mm. things where we haven't quite remembered the monologue and then it's really embarrassing because you're just grabbing. He, he does things where you can tell he's accidentally said the bit and this is just in it. <laughs> Where he's accidentally said the said the bit that's meant to be at the end of the monologue. So then he like backtracks. Where he'll just be like, so I went to the, I went, you know, when I was a kid, I knew this guy and I went down to the creek and, um, oh, sorry, the, he was the dad. And then I was... <laughs> That reminds me of, it felt like one of the other actors was trying to save him. So he's talking to his uh, ex-wife or wife, and I think it was that character, and he was just talking about how when his dad came to America, he sharpened knives for people and he'd ring a bell and people yeah. would come out with their knife and he'd sharpen it. And then 
as people just got more and more disposable stuff, they stopped coming out and then you'd go out all day and wouldn't have anything, no, no work and you'd come out with no money. And then <laughs> the other actor, she goes, that was your father. <laughs> like he'd forgotten to say the bit. <laughs> <laughs> not a word. That was your no. father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, no, that right, is right. fully the energy of his monologue. I think, I reckon <clears throat> that they'd organised for a weapons expert to be on set for this film. The weapons expert rocked up on the first day and Steven Seagal was like, I know what I'm fucking doing. <laughs> I'm a Taekwondo expert. Oh, I have been working in action films oh, for the last four years. Fuck off. So the weapons expert got like kicked out by Steven Seagal, and then the so the whole film Steven got no no information on how to hold a weapon, on how to shoot a weapon. <laughs> Did you read can about I, something? No, no, no. Can no. I just say this that Steven Seagal is a cop, and is toting the most inappropriate shotgun. <laughs> The entire film, but also <laughs> waving it around like one-handed. in the streets, one-handed, one-handed. flailing it so while having a It's one stage where he shoots about seven people in a row without reloading. It's amazing. <laughs> it's when he goes into the house, is that still the shotgun or does he have like a machine? No, gun he at has that the, point? the big shotgun. shotgun. And right. I rewound the bit he, where he blew He holds it. There's this like the oh, way yeah, he holds he's sneaking around. And he holds it with like, not like just he's a got limp a wing. wrist. Like he's got a wing. <laughs> yeah, it's like he holds it with like a a, a, a limp wrist and a limp elbow. Yeah. It's like he holds it daintily. <laughs> it's like it's just this. Like, he's probably trying to make it look like it's really light because he's so strong. <laughs> oh, this thing, whatever. He's being sneaky. But it's like you'd be sneaky with your toes, not the arm you hold the gun with. <laughs> just flailing about. It's just fl- loose, loose. Oh, oh my what was God. the thing that you what read? Was your so you're talking about him being a nightmare with like a stunt yeah. coordinator. There is a story that I've read on Wikipedia and I've seen this in other places now and it says, Whilst on the production set, yeah, I know this. I know. Oh, oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say he's famous for um, hitting stunt doubles. So when he works with stunt performers, fucking hell. Because I know the story you're about to tell, (laughs) but I think this gives it a a delicious context. I don't know this story. So one thing he is famous for doing is apparently just outright. So you meant to miss on purpose, Mm. but he outright. Hits, lands, kicks and punches, properly lands them on stunt performers because he's got the power in that moment. There's nothing they can do. They complain. They just have to go away, right? They're better fighters than him. But they're not allowed to strike him back. So he, like, kicks them and hits them and then they're just like... That's incredible. What am I going to do about that? So he's famous for doing that. So that's his relationship with stunt people and stunt coordinators. So anyway, please tell this story because this is the best. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> While on the production set. <laughs> oh I'm my God, the anticipation. I'm not overhyped. This not. story is amazing. Cigar claimed that due to his Aikido training, he was in quotation marks immune to being choked unconscious. <laughs> immune. Not just able to avoid it. Immune. At some point, Gene LaBelle, who was a stunt coordinator for the movie and is like a stunt legend, Heard about the claim and allegedly gave Seagal the opportunity to prove it. LaBelle is said to have placed his arms around Seagal's neck and once Seagal said go, proceeded to choke him unconscious with Seagal violently evacuating his bowels in the process. (laughs) 
after refusing to comment for many years, LaBelle confirmed the story in 2012. And there's other people that have, that have spoken oh about it too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not <laughs> only did he pass out. <laughs> he shut himself. Violently. Oh, my God. That's the best story I've ever heard. And it's being done by a stat. Like, that's on behalf of all. Okay. <laughs> You give me permission to choke you out? He's so... He's I'm not, immune to being choked <laughs> out. Not good Five at, seconds later, he has passed out and has shat himself. Phenomenal. How embarrassing. Imagine coming out of that. Oh, coming my to, God. And, like, realising that not only you passed out, but you've got poopy panties. One one thing that really fascinates <laughs> me about, about, like, movies and, like, is when actors have to get let go just because I have never done that, never could do that. I, yeah. I, I'm fascinated by like the, the idea of as a director going, this person isn't doing a good job. Mm. And rather than just being like, well, this is too awkward to ever deal with. I guess my movie is bad now, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> which is more what my reaction would be <laughs> like having to go, okay, I think we have to like let this actor go in the middle of shoots, like, mm-hmm. and that happens a bit. Like, there's some famous stories. Peter Jackson's done it twice now to big roles. Like, he did it mm-hmm. to, um, anyway. Eric Stoltz was let go from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Into the shooting. Uh, Viggo Mortensen came in, like, a month and a half into to, um, Lord of the Rings right. to play yeah. Aragon. Um, then, again, Mark Wahlberg was brought in to for Lovely Bones because it was originally yep. good. I've talked about this here. Ryan Reynolds. Who was it originally? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Who was too young, which was the same issue with the guy that was going to play Aragon. He, he yeah. cast, but Ryan Reynolds was like, oh, I think I know how to get into the part. And he put on a ton of weight. No. But, which is great, like, fine, good. Great. But he but- didn't tell Peter Jackson. <laughs> oh, God. So he rocked up to set. He'd been drinking custard. He rocked up to set and he was like, Well, now you're too young and you don't, like, look like the character. Yeah, oh like, no! You imagine now put- you're too young and too fat, and you don't have a job anymore. Like, oh, <laughs> oh. Gone but also, to. just like what part of weight makes you look ten years? If anything, it makes you look younger because yeah. it's like. Yeah. So he just was like. Oh so no! Then he, so that he anyway, and, and then my favorite story is um, in uh, anyway. It, it's it's a it's a recurring thing. I'm fascinated by it. The thing I love is, like, the idea that that would have happened with Seagal. Like, they would have had nightly meetings. Mm. The director, the, like, producers that weren't him, they would have, like, been like, he can't. And I think they would. But the funny thing is they couldn't let him go because he's EP. It's his movie. So then they would have been like, what do we do? And I reckon for, like, three days they were like, I think we should tell him to drop the accent. I think we should tell him to drop the accent. We can reshoot any dialogue. We can ADR any mm. of the action. But I think he needs to drop the accent. And then I don't think anyone ever told him. That on day three, <laughs> I think on day four, the director was like, oh, I'm not saying it. <laughs> and they yeah, said sure. to someone, to a producer, maybe you should. And then he went up and he's like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> and for the rest of the film, they were just like, all right, action. <laughs> they said to the runner, can you give Mr. Segal his coffee and also just mention that he shouldn't do the accent. Right. I have a very good... Um, uh, out for justice onset story. Yeah. So there's like three scenes with a puppy for no reason. I love that we all did our reason. Oh, puppy. Oh, yeah. So uh, some guy in a truck throws a, a German oh, shepherd puppy off the back the... of his truck and then Steven Zagal, because he's such a hero, goes, collects the puppy and he's like, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, like, uh, he bet, I, I hope I never find him. <laughs> yeah. If I it's ever the find ultimate him, I'm... of the weirdo male fantasy yeah. is this storyline. Yeah, he's yeah. like, if I ever find that guy, I'm going to kill him, even though I'm a cop. 
Anyway, um, that dog is then in about one or two scenes and then right at the end he does find the guy who <laughs> threw the dog off the truck and kicks him in the balls and he says, My, my balls. balls. <laughs> my balls. My balls. And then my the balls. dog but pisses on him. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Then the dog goes and pisses on him and that's that's my dog, says Stephen Seagal. Anyway. It's the end of the apparently, movie. End of the movie. And then the end over the, sh- the credits there's more shots of Stephen Seagal kicking ass for some reason. Did you watch the credits? <laughs> No. no. It was for just like another minute and a half. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be bloopers, but no, it was just more. That's Seagal's uh, idea of bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, we could put the funny ones in. No, no, put in the ass-kicking moments. <laughs> While the credit, it There's a moment. Anyway, I'll get to the bloopers. Wait, so That's very funny. Apparently, Steven Seagal offered a million dollars to the owner of the puppy to keep the puppy. He was like, I'll pay you a million dollars to keep this puppy. What? And they said no because they feared for the dog's safety. <laughs> That's so Oh, my funny. God. Imagine a million dollars for this puppy. Oh, yeah. but the catch is it has to be owned by Steven Seagal. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's the I can't, say, I can't so section this. You get a million dollars to give your puppy to someone. <laughs> but <laughs> that pu- someone is Steven Seagal. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> no way. I, uh, that's so funny. The, the bloopers, there's this moment. Uh, there's One of my favourite jokes from the McAuliffe program is because um, he kind of plays in it. There's a sketch show. If you, uh, yeah, it's fine. Um, uh, he plays like a kind of pompous, arrogant douchebag and they, they're running through bloopers. It's one of my favourite jokes on that show. They're running through bloopers and like he's showing different people's bloopers. He's like, and I'm not immune from the occasional mistake. Check out this little mistake from a few episodes ago. <laughs> And it's he's shooting a sketch, and then the boom comes slightly into shot, <laughs> and then like, and then someone off screen is like, "Sorry, Sean, we're gonna have to reset." The boom came into shot, and then he just like, just like stare, like just like tilts his head in anger, and then that's the blooper. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, cuts back to him, he's like, <laughs> "Very good." Like that's the idea of that's the that's what that he, that character would admit to. <laughs> the notion of that in real life is someone going, "Wouldn't it be fun to do bloopers?" And that's what made it past. <laughs> it's just him kicking ass. Oh no, I do know what you're talking about. It's just, the, it's yeah, it it made no sense. I was like, what what's going on here? Why is there more movie at the end? <laughs> it was just, and also just back to the dog quickly. My favourite bit with the dog was we hadn't seen him for like an hour, and he goes, "Oh, I almost forgot you were here." Picked up the dog because at home we're also like. Where's the fucking Where's dog? Where's the dog that What's you rescued? Yeah, it had nothing to do with I anything. thought it was going to be like an I Am Legend moment where this dog then follows him around the whole time. No, it's literally just there so that Steven Seagal can look like a hero and then right at the end the dog can piss on somebody. So I can have a funny... Can we also talk about his outfits? Yeah, they're brilliant. From the opening, it's like beautiful. He wears this like raincoat, hooded raincoat, but with a singlet. And then like, and then the, 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 they're all phenomenal. His badge is worn around his neck, but it's on like attached to a string. (laughs) Yeah. And he keeps his waiting. So he wears his badge like a, like a long necklace that sits between his pictorials. But the, the chain, it's not attached to a chain or a strap. It's attached to string that's just been tied around his neck and it's often so like funny. it's very funny it's a great oh what a great film yeah what a great film. i'm on board i did oh, not i'm on board i did not follow the plot at all. at all i don't know why the bad guy was killing people because the cop that he killed was uh sleeping with two women in photographs mm. do they have any connection to him no he why? just knew the guy was i killed literally think they mates. cut important yeah, yeah why absolutely. why did the why were those affairs setting off mm. The bad guy. I don't know. Mm. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, can I? Oh, oh, wait. This is a really. They should have cut more. <laughs> he was like killing people, spitting. He spat on the guy and then dropped one of the, the Polaroids. So it's like, oh, like is that his wife he's <laughs> having an affair with? Nah. No, not it. It's not. I do want to say one thing really quickly before mm. we do Leguistamos, and that is, uh, if we're looking at the study of the nineties with Johnny Legs, this was baby Legs because he had an oversized jacket. Yeah. He was so he played a drug dealer if in alleyway. Do, he had a giant bag of cocaine in his in his jacket pocket. Um, he gives it to the baddie, and the baddie shoots him in the face. But he's wearing a big. But jacket. he's wearing a big jacket, so we know. Okay. Traditionally, up until this point, if we're going with the baby legs, if we're going with the baby legs transition to sexy Luigi. <laughs> this was very much baby legs, big jacket, baby face. In '92, we can relatively confidently say, you know, this moment in a montage featured extra. It it belongs to the. This is more. This is more Madonna's borderline video than yeah. it is than it is uh, Super Mario Super Brothers. Mario Brothers. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. So in 1992, mm. it, it's an extent. It, yeah, unless there's anything that breaks it, we're going to have to sit down with the filmography next week when we when yeah. we. So next week, uh, we will be dis- trying to get to the bottom of um, what was what Johnny era. Legs was in the 90s. So next week we'll really sit down. But I think I think you're absolutely right. Whatever he was in 1992 in this film does link back yeah. to a baby legs era. Yeah. But what about your Starmos? So I've got a funny little story that I can't remember all the details of and I wish I did because I, it's very funny to me. But do you remember when The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, called out Vin Diesel on Instagram? Do you remember when this No, happened? yes. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson was like, I have such a great cast. He's in uh, Fast and the Furious 8, I think. He's like, the cast of Fast and the Furious is great, particularly the women, they are... Uh, consummate professionals, I respect them. But some of the cast, he just he was like, but some of the cast are candy asses, candy asses, and um, they don't know what it is to be a professional. And I, 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 he's like, and if you see me seething with rage on screen when Fast Eight comes out, know that I'm not acting with some of my co-stars. Like he just blows up. It's got nothing to do with anything. Hmm. He just like calls out someone yep. anonymously. And anyway, there was a lot of mystery. It eventually emerged that it was Vin Diesel. Uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock just do not get along. Um, It's said that he's often late, um, that he wouldn't leave his trailer. Uh, The Rock is very much about being... But who knows? I don't know The Rock. Mm. I don't know Vin Diesel. But it was this whole thing. Anyway, I know this seems off topic and that's because it is. Anyway... (laughs) Vin Diesel didn't respond for a long time. They ended up meeting up and everything. And then then Vin Diesel was asked in an interview what he thought of the whole thing. So The Rock had called him out like a wrestler, like a man, called him out. And then Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel described the uh, described the disagreement, I believe, as Brechtian. <laughs> what? <laughs> Vin Diesel says something like, "We've we had a chat in our in our in our in my trailer, you know. Well, I can't say we agree, but you know, the whole thing has a certain Brechtian energy to it. Does it? Brechtian, not? isn't it a Brechtian thing? Like, I don't know. That's not bre- No, wait. Brechtian is when you uh, want the audience to be very clear that they're watching live theatre. Now, I'm theater. not 100% confident that it was Brechtian, but he evoked a 20th century playwright. I can say that much from memory. 
That's so funny. He evo- and I don't remember what the evocation was. All I know is that he evoked the 20th century literary figure to describe his disagreement with The Rock on the set of Fate of the Furious. <laughs> and then The Rock's statement in response was like, all right, man. <laughs> It was like, all right, I guess I'm brecked in then. I don't know. It, that energy, that energy of Vin Diesel <laughs> describing something as Brechtian, the, the, the energy of the story I've just described, I can't explain why, and I refuse to give any more details. That's fine. Is exactly the energy of Steven Seagal's performance in this film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those two things for me have the same energy. That's yeah, good. This film, I give two Leguistamos. All right. <laughs> That's it. Um, I'm also giving two Leguistamos. Uh, I'm not going to expand because you did such a beautiful job. Uh, I give it two Leguistamos, a little bit of Leguistamo energy throughout. I see why he said yes to this film. Very excited for him and his giant blazer. Two Leguistamos from me. Um, highly recommend anyone to watch this film if they are bored. Uh, it's it's a bloody good time. Love some Seagal action. That's right, peak Seagal. Peak Seagal. Amazingly, this was his peak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this was out of if this was Stagals, Stargals, Stargals. If we were giving if this was out of five Stargals. I would give it five star girls. Would you? I, I think I'd have to give it like it has full the on accent, star girls. The accent. Oh God! Expressed to you how bad it is. It's, how is this a major release film? It's no. So funny. That was number one the week it came out. He doesn't know his lines. <laughs> the man doesn't know his lines. It's really full on. Just the basic, basic <laughs> stuff of acting. And the person you're talking about is your father. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh. How many Leguistamos do you so give So it's this? out of five. Yeah. And it's stam- It's Leguistamos. When How Leguistamo it is. It's, what, it's the... It's, it's le- the essence of Leguistamo. It was annoying that he was cut back to a montage. But um, I think I'd, based on that, I'd give it a two as well. Mm. Yeah. I have to say, as per most... Uh, little tiny cameos from Leguizamo. It is always nice that one moment, that fleeting moment where you see his face. You're like, there he is! And then yeah, he, goes away. he goes away. I do enjoy that. And then also good, it was also good that the character gets shot in that moment because I'm like, all right, I don't have to keep looking at it. I'm like, I'm, I've ticked the Leguizamo yeah. box. Yeah. Yep. Now I can just sit through this insufferable <laughs> yeah. trash fire. But it is exactly funny right. that someone like... Uh, John Leguizamo, who is a much better actor than Steven Seagal, has cut yeah, back well, to it's being not really a compliment. Yeah, no, but being shot that he gets one second, and Steven Seagal gets eighty rambling minutes. <laughs> rambling <laughs> is such a description. <laughs> oh, 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 painful. It's uh, awful. Truly awful. <laughs> As per, thank you for coming to Leguizamo Rama. Thank you so uh, much. You have now covered. All of the Seagal Leguizamo movies. This is the only crossover they've got. That's disappointing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, because of on the set of executive decision, <laughs> Steven Seagal pinned him against the wall for laughing at so him. It feels yeah. like it's well, unlikely. It's because Steven Seagal described himself as alpha male, <laughs> so that's where he stopped. Basically, apparently, I'll leave. Let's leave it with this story first. Like, I'll wait. We'll get there. But firstly, Dave, do you have anything that you need to promote? It's, I'm guessing this is late December, early Jan. Uh, well, it's December, yeah. Yeah. we've done many episodes now of my uh, book cheat podcast. We love book cheat. On. We've talked about a few plays. We haven't done any Brecht yet, but maybe we will. 
Oh, mate, that'll be fun. So, yeah, you can check that out. Basically, it's a book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to and I just tell two f- funny guests about the, the plot of the play or book and at the end uh, we, uh, yeah, it feels like you know the story yeah. without having to uh, sit through Charles Dickens. Yeah, Dave, asked, Dave has asked <laughs> us to, to do, I think we've done like, yeah, I think we've done like two or three episodes and I have no idea why you keep asking Zach and I back because we are rambling bastards. They are my longest episodes but also some of my... Uh, most uh, complimented, so oh, people love them. Go. That's lovely. Uh, so I'm going to leave everyone with this story. Uh, Steven Seagal stopped everyone on the set of Executive Decision because uh, he had an announcement to make. So the entire set had to stop. And Steven Seagal told everyone on the first day of shooting, I want you all to know uh, that I am alpha male. <laughs> um, no. And, and I, make, I make my own rules and I expect you all to follow suit with the rules I make. Keep in mind he was a... Small part in executive he decision. A, he he died sort of very quickly. He was he was uh, the psycho sort of cameo. You yeah, know, he was the, the Sean Bean. He died early. Like, yeah. uh, but he he made this big announcement, and John Leguizamo laughed <laughs> during his speech. So Stephen Zagal threw John Leguizamo across the room and punched him in the head and pinned him up against pinned the wall. him up against the wall, yelled at him and punched him in the head. Uh, so because of that, they never made, made another film together. But I'm so glad that we have Out for Justice and Executive Decision. Uh, what should Tom end this with, do you think? Just like cool action music. Would, yeah. Yeah, that'd like, be cool. And I think, and, and Tom, I think hopefully it's been building. I think mm. through all of that story, like that, yeah. dun, 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 you know. Like what, that the kind of music that you'd, ha- you'd end a film with a Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> Montage of him kicking a hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Tom, I hope that for the last minute or two it's been building, and then as we say, like, thank you, as we finish, it then really kicks up. Yeah, and here it goes. It's starting to kick up. It's building. Brilliant. Building, building. Thank you for this, Tom. Thank, thank you so, you so much, much, Dave. Thank you so much. I've loved every minute of our Seagal time spent together. <laughs> and thank you to the listeners. Go watch Out for Justice and take it away, Tom. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.